welcome to Are You Up Babes? I'm so glad that you're joining me and today I wanted to talk a little bit about fasting because we in the church are fasting, 21 days of fasting and maybe you're watching this broadcast and you're thinking, you know, I've never fasted and I'd like to join. You are most welcome to join and the way in which you fast, for a person who fasts the first time, you may give up something like coffee or sweets or even Coke, Coca-Cola, something you're really addicted to and you must have every day and you actually now give that up as unto the Lord. Or the next step would be to give up food. So you give up breakfast and you give up lunch and you eat at supper time. Your body's not used to missing breakfast and lunch and so your body is actually aching while it's not eating, and then you break your fast at supper time. And then, of course, there's the Daniel fast, which is vegetables. It's very plain food. So you're sacrificing rich food. You're sacrificing desserts and things that you enjoy eating and meat and chicken and fish, and you're just eating vegetables. And then, of course, there's the liquid fast. And the liquid fast is what we are doing, I would say maybe the hardest of the lot, and that is where you literally just have liquid. You're drinking water, some people have fruit juices, and at night you can have a cup of soup. And that is a liquid fast, and we do that for 21 days. And really, whatever you're doing, if, if you're starting out, you can start out in the basis that I spoke of. But as we go along, as your faith increases, and you could give up coffee, or you could give up sweets, the next time you, you almost want to take the next step. And it's in fear and trepidation that you may not be able to do it, but it's amazing how the Holy Spirit enables you to do it. And as you go along, eventually you're able to do the liquid fast and give up all food and just drink liquid and have soup at night and the Holy Spirit enables you. And it's such a wonderful thing. And the reason why we fast and we praise, it is the beginning of the year and we want to give the first part of our year to the Lord. But we also want to dedicate this year praying about it, praying about our nation, our family, and learning how to pray. And I really want to encourage you to tune in to YouTube or you can catch it on Facebook, Gavin Enslin's page. And it really teaches us to pray as Jesus taught us. So I really want to encourage you with that. But we are fasting. And the question is, why do we fast? What is the fasting for? And I want to read you the story. When World War I broke out, the war ministry in London, England, sent a coded message to one of the British outposts in the inaccessible areas of British-controlled Africa, saying, War declared, arrest all enemy aliens in your district. The prompt reply came back, have arrested 10 Germans, 6 Belgians, 4 Frenchmen, 2 Italians, 3 Austrians, and an American. Please advise immediately who are we at war with? And that is the question. And that's the point. Who are we at war with? We are not at war with any of our exes, our ex-husband, our ex-wife, our ex-boss, our ex-family member. We're not at war with anyone that has hurt us or devastated us. We're not at war with someone that we used to do business with or a family member. We're not at war with a parent or a child. The hurt for all of the above was already sorted out at the cross of Jesus Christ when his blood was shed for us. Through the cross, firstly, 
God forgave us of all our sin that separated us from him. And he reconciled us to him so that we can have a relationship with him. Secondly, we now have to forgive others as God has forgiven us. We are enabled through the cross to forgive other people who have hurt us. Through the cross, it sorts out our identity, who we are in Christ, the spirit of adoption on us. And when our identity is sorted out, our destiny is sorted out. We understand who we are in Christ and what we were created for. And then we begin to live in our purpose. And our purpose is all about other people. Our purpose includes people. Now, people includes relationship, and relationships can be messy. And so through the blood of Jesus, specifically the blood of restoration, where Jesus, he was now dead on the cross, and they pierced him in the side with the spear, and blood and water flowed through that blood, the blood of restoration, where his heart literally exploded, his heart broke. Through that blood, we are restored back. God made a way so that in relationships, we can actually let that blood absorb all our hurt and all our pain that we have when we have relationships so that we can remain in relationship. Now, you might have been raped or sexually abused, and if you were, I'm so sorry for the pain that that would have caused you. But I want you to hear this. Joyce Meyer, who often speaks of the terrible abuse that she suffered as a child, says this, I can assure you that even in the worst circumstances, God gives us grace to forgive so that we can go on with our lives. How powerful is that? And honestly, that can be our testimony through all our pain, all our trials and tribulations, those challenges, those difficult circumstances. God gives us the grace to forgive others. Why? So that we can go on with our lives. And I can honestly say that's my testimony through the pain of losing loved ones. God has given me the grace to forgive so that my life would be able to go on. Otherwise, we get stuck in hurt, in pain, in devastation, and we, we are not able to go on. And so let that be our testimony. God gives us the grace to forgive so that our lives can go on. We have to know who our enemy is. The war is against Satan and his demons. And we need to know his schemes if we are to be successful in the fight against him. In the book called The Art of War, written by Sun Tzu, he says, if you know your enemy and you know yourself, you need not fear the results of a hundred battles. If you know yourself, but not the enemy, for every victory gained, you will also suffer a defeat. If you know neither the enemy nor yourself, you will succumb in every battle. If that is true of earthly battles, then how much more is that of spiritual battles? Every Christian is involved in a spiritual battle. You don't need to sign up. The moment you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, you became a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. You were already enrolled. 
in a spiritual battle. And they are real unseen enemies and a battle in which we are engaged. We have to see who we are and the power and the authority that God has given us through the cross of Jesus Christ. He has given us victory. He has made it that we are overcomers. And that is why it is such a a, a problem when Christians in trials and tribulations go and see a Sangoma or a fortune teller or someone like that when they are going through trials and tribulations. It is such a problem. They do exactly what Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden when they gave away their crown of authority. We give away our crown of authority when we go to someone who does not access the blood of Jesus but actually accesses the power of darkness. Jesus has given us his authority and his power through the cross when his blood was shed. And God has not left us unequipped. He has given us all we need to take our place in this fight to be victorious. If we understand our purpose to fulfill the great commission here on this earth, when we preach the gospel to the world, we understand that we come under opposition. And you might be going, I don't understand. What is the Great Commission? The Great Commission, Jesus told us, is to go out into the world, preaching the gospel to people, baptizing them. When do you baptize someone? When they come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then, it's not full stop, and then teaching them to obey all his commandments. And it says that he will be with us till the very end of age. Now listen, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 to 5, from the NLT version. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. I want to read you the same passage from the message. It says, For although we live in the natural realm, we don't wage a military campaign employing human weapons, using manipulation, to achieve our aims. Instead, our spiritual weapons are energized with divine power to effectively dismantle the defenses behind which people hide. We can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture, like prisoners of war, every thought and insist that it bow down in obedience to the Anointed One. How powerful is that? And so we have been given weapons, but they are not weapons of this world. We cannot fight a spiritual war with earthly weapons. Our weapons have to be divine, and our weapons have divine power because God is behind it. And these weapons demolish strongholds 
or fortifications of the devil. What is a fortification? A fortification is a strong wall or a reinforcement to withhold us from getting in. The Apostle Paul sees Christians advancing on the enemy's fortifications where he is firmly entrenched. The church of God is on the attack, empowered by God himself. We are not deterred. We are not held back. We are not fearful by the size or the walls or the power of the enemy. You know, the Bible in the Old Testament, 1 Samuel chapter 7, tells us a phenomenal story of David before he became king. He was a shepherd boy. And the story tells us of how his brothers were enrolled in the army with King Saul. And there was this giant, Goliath, and they were fighting. He was part of the Philistines, and they were fighting the Philistines. And Goliath was a real enemy to the Israelites. He was over nine feet tall. He was huge. He had a bronze coat alone that he wore that weighed 125 pounds. He would come out and he would taunt and he would provoke and cause wounds and insult the Israelites as he began to speak. He would throw insulting remarks and he would say to them, he was the Philistine champion. And he said, ah, don't all of you come and fight me. Choose one man. Isn't that a little bit unfair? I think that's a little bit unfair. If you're such a big man and you must choose one little man. But he says, choose one man and come and fight me. And he says, if you win, we'll become your slaves. And if we win, you will become our slaves. And Saul and his armies were actually terrified and deeply shaken. Now, I want you to imagine that your king, your president, hears something is going to happen and he is terrified and deeply stricken. If the person that is leading you, the person who's running your country is deeply stricken and terrified, where does that leave the rest of us? Well, Saul was terrified. The armies were terrified. And what's worse is that Goliath did this for 40 days. Every morning and every evening he would strut around. Then David, this little shepherd boy, arrives. His father sends him to give some things to his brothers who are enrolled in the army. And Goliath comes out and David sees him strutting around and shouting his usual taunts. And as soon as that happened, the Israelite armies ran in absolute fear away. They ran away. And David takes a look at all of this and thinks, what is going on? He hears what Goliath has to say, and he says, David says, Who is this pagan Philistine anyway, that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? The king gets to hear what David says, so he calls David. And David says, King Saul, I will fight him. Now, David wasn't being arrogant. He didn't think he knew it all. He wasn't thinking he was better than them all. He says, King Saul, I'll fight him. King Saul answers him and says, don't be ridiculous, my boy. He says, there's no way you can possibly fight him and win. And the third thing he says is, you're only a boy. And he's been a man of war since his youth. Isn't that really what the enemy says to us? Those unseen enemies. 
when we want to fight a spiritual battle. We hear the voice say, don't be ridiculous, my girl. There's no way you can possibly fight. You're not equipped to fight and you're not even going to win. And then we hear you're only a girl, you're only a mom, you're only a wife, you are only a weak Christian because the devil likes to lie, right? And he is so much stronger than you. Your enemy is so much stronger than you. But David persisted. And this is what he says. I've looked after my father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came, I would go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from his jaws. Think about that. I mean, he could have gone, oh my goodness, thank God he just got one lamb and the rest of us were okay. We're okay. He went after it with a club and rescued that lamb from the lion or the bear's jaws. And then if the enemy turned on him, he would club it to death. Wow, what a hero, what a fighter. It makes us think a little bit, isn't it? Because aren't we called to be shepherds, all of us? The Great Commission is for all of us. If people are his sheep, God's sheep, and we are to go and rescue the sheep so they can hear God's voice. And the enemy comes along to snatch them and we find them in the enemy's jaw. We are not to go, thank God, the rest of us are okay. But we are to go after that enemy because we do not fight with earthly weapons. But we fight with spiritual weapons. We pull down those strongholds. We go get that lamb or that sheep out of that enemy's mouth and we club the enemy to death. And David says, I've done this to lambs and bears. I'll do this to this Philistine. For he has defied the armies of God. Yeah, the conviction. The Lord who rescued me then will rescue me now. What the Lord did for me then, he will do for me now. So Saul gives David his armor. You see, earthly weapons. He gives David his armor. This heavy, heavy armor that weighs probably three times, four times more than David. And David tries. Now, you've seen movies where a man gets a new armor and he's fighting a war and he has to spend weeks trying to get used to the armor so he can fight in it. Well, David puts on this armor and he can't even walk and he takes it off and he says, no, let me go and fight. And he takes what he's used to fighting with. And what's that? A sling and some stones and the power of the Lord behind him. And David takes actually what looks ridiculous. It looked ridiculous. Everyone would have gone, oh my goodness, he should have stayed in the armor, right? But he looked ridiculous. And Goliath sees him coming and he begins to curse him and insult him. Isn't that what the enemy always does? But David replied, listen to the conviction. I come to you in the name of the Lord and of his armies. He's literally understanding that God is behind him. The entire army of heaven, armies of heaven are behind him. And he says, today the Lord will conquer you. And so every knee shall bow to God. The strongholds are also in our minds. That's why we fast. You know, there are different philosophies of thought set up by the enemy in distant lands. Think about it. We know of Buddhism from a distant land. People go and they, they hear about Buddhism and peace and 
and everything that entails Buddhism and they come back with their statues or they buy statues and now they want to meditate and they want to clear their mind. The Bible never tells us to clear our mind. The Bible says guard your mind, not clear your mind. Your mind needs to always be full of God's word. Your mind always needs to be full of the things of heaven. And so the enemy comes to us and, and lies to us about these philosophies that then fill our minds. And all of this is opposition. Then in our own country, we have our own, we have our own issues. We have things with our own family and our own minds. Now, there have been fortifications set up, listen, by teachings that we have received. And at the time we received them, we were oblivious to the destructive capability against our own soul. I want to say that again. There have been fortifications set up by teachings that we've received. And when we received them, we were oblivious to the destructive capability against our own soul. And so where are these strongholds? In 1970, there was a cartoonist by the name of Walt Kelly. And he made a poster with the slogan, and it said, we have met the enemy, and he is us. You see, if we are unaware of the battle in the area of our mind, we will find it difficult to stand against the enemy. We've got to be careful of our thought life. Things like sin, we can't sit and think or plan sin. We have no idea how that destroys us. We can't sit and allow fear to rule our mind. We can't allow sickness and hopelessness and negativity and destruction to fill our minds. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Your life and your spirit is guarded by your mind. Your life and your spirit is guarded by your mind. Be careful of the images that Satan would like to sow into the good soil of your heart. And, you know, I want to even tell you social media videos that are going around, videos that, that invoke so much fear, we need to guard our hearts and our minds. The Bible says, take every thought captive that arises in opposition to the truth of the word of God. And that is why we are fasting. We are fasting to increase our faith. And when we increase our faith, it enables us to pull down those strongholds and to fight the enemy with spiritual weapons, not with earthly weapons, not with weapons from this world. And so next week we will continue on with fasting just teaching that will help us to grow in our faith. And I really would encourage you, it's not easy to fast. It's not always nice. I have already made my shopping list for what I'm buying on the Saturday before we break our fast. How crazy is that? But actually standing firm, staying strong and trusting God for what he will do in our lives, in our families, in our marriages, with our children, in our nation, in the world. As we fight this enemy and there is an enemy of destruction and death like we've never seen before but we are able through the blood of Jesus to pull down those strongholds come let's pray together 
Father, we thank you that through the cross and through the blood, we can come before you as children of a living God. Father, you are the creator of the heavens and the earth. We come to you as children thanking you that while you are the sovereign almighty God, you are also father to us. And we ask you, Father God, that you would help us to stand firm against all the plans of the enemy. I pray, Father God, that you would help us to pull down those strongholds in our minds, in the spiritual, that we would be able to set free this world, our family, our loved ones, ourselves, every plan that the, the devil has for destruction, for death, for destroying people's lives. I ask you, Father, that we would continue in faith. We would arise in faith like David and say, how dare he defy the Lord and heaven's armies. And we thank you, Lord, that we know that we fight this battle because you are with us and heaven's armies are behind us, back before us and beside us too. And so we thank you and praise you. We ask you, Father, increase our faith. Forgive us for where we do not believe and increase our faith. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen.